only a paper moon Hanging over a cardboard sea But it wouldn't be make-believe if you believe in me It is only a canvas sky Sailing over a muslin tree But it wouldn't be make-believe if you believe We're back for our third and final segment today. I think we will start out with uh, where science and politics meet. Let's start with this brief item from a July 22nd New Scientist magazine. The South Korean government has withdrawn honors awarded to cloner Wu Suk Hwang and six colleagues after they faked research that claimed to have created stem cells from a cloned human embryo. Well, we'd say that was a pretty good call. Decision reached at a cabinet meeting presided over by the South Korean Prime Minister Han Myung-suk. And speaking of bad signs closer to home, we have this from the BBC News. Investigators believe the anthrax used in a series of attacks in the U.S. in 2001 was not military-grade as originally thought, a U.S. newspaper reports. The BBC notes that apparently an undisclosed expert told the Washington Post, there's no significant signature in the powder that points to a domestic source. As you'll no doubt recall, five years ago, anthrax powder sent by mail killed five people in the U.S. Two uh, envelopes uh, emptied the U.S. Congress when they were sent to Patrick Leahy and, I believe, Tom Daschle, which was kind of interesting that two, uh, two administration opponents were the only two people to receive anthrax letters, which were originally uh, alleged to be from U.S. defense laboratories, in other words, military-grade anthrax, the kind of thing you would use if you wanted to kill a lot of people with anthrax spores. So, ladies and gentlemen, which is it? (laughs) Five years later, after spending how much money on national defense, homeland security, they've decided now all of a sudden, well, gee, it looks like that anthrax we thought was uh, of one type is of an entirely different type, not the kind of thing we develop at Fort Detrick, Maryland. We may have to run this past UCD's own expert on bioweapons, Mark Wheelis, who was kind enough to speak to us a few years back. I don't know what to make of this, but uh, I got to say, it does make me a little suspicious that all of a sudden they're saying this did not come from a U.S. weapons lab. Maybe it didn't, but maybe it did. By the way, the opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of KDVS, our sponsors, or the University of California. And since we're now being rebroadcast on KDRT here in Davis, we would like to add that the opinions you hear on this show do not necessarily represent those of anyone at KDIRT either. All right, where science meets politics, take three. We would cite the continuing decline of Discover magazine, and we're quite shocked to read in the current issue. That is to say, the October 2006 edition, a rather startling interview with a scientific figure. That would be former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich. If your reaction is, huh? We would say, well, you're in good company. That was exactly our reaction. We've noted in this program in the past that Discover is clearly trying to go more mainstream and is trying to put a lot of fringy right-wing stuff before the public as being rather mainstream in science. Well, I can't think of a, a more profound example than the Discover interview with Newt Gingrich. We at Radio Parallax did write the magazine to ask them who the publisher is, since they've got Bob Guccione's name on the masthead, but we think that somewhere in the middle of this uh, is probably Rupert Murdoch. That's just our suspicion, even though Discover is allegedly a Disney publication. Let's quote from the interview. 
Where did you get your passion for science? It started as a passion for animals that grew into an interest in paleontology and how life evolved. I began to realize how much science and technology change everything around us. The pure beauty of the natural world and the intellectual elegance of understanding how things work combined with the power of science and technology to dramatically expand our opportunities. It's kept me enthralled. Okay, so far, so good. Who knew that Newt Gingrich was a closet paleontologist? If you'd gone into science instead of politics, where do you think you would have ended up? I would have been a naturalist. Edward O. Wilson is probably the closest to my model. I really love paleontology and animals and plants and the complexity of ecosystems. We reported uh, on E.O. Wilson's visit to the Mondavi Center uh, about a year and a half ago on this program, which was a fascinating, uh, fascinating lecture. We still have to get Dr. Wilson on this program. He's 91 years old, still going strong. But uh, again, you know, Newt Gingrich admires E.O. Wilson. Excellent. Then we come to, do you view evolution as just a theory or as the best explanation for how we came to be? Amateur paleontologist Gingrich answers, Evolution certainly seems to express the closest understanding we can now have, but it's changing too. The current tree of life is not anything like the 19th century Darwinian tree. We've learned a lot about how systems evolve and don't evolve. So what started out in the first question as a passion for how life evolved has transmuted into, well, it's, it's, the, it's close, this evolution stuff. Then they ask, where do you come down on teaching intelligent design in schools? Do you think the ruling in the Dover, Pennsylvania case was appropriate? I believe evolution should be taught as science and intelligent design should be taught as philosophy. Well, we would say, good answer. Except, Gingrich goes on to say, I do not know enough about the Dover case to critique the judge's decision, but I am generally cautious about unelected judges establishing community standards. That is the duty of elected officials. You know, as a, as a lawyer and legislator, we have a hard time buying that he did not know enough about the Dover case to critique it. And if he didn't, he should have. As we report on this program, and you've no doubt heard elsewhere in Dover, Pennsylvania, they wanted to teach intelligent design in schools and went to the courts over the matter. The good guys won in this case, but uh, Gingrich is hedging his bets and not going not gonna to weigh in even though he is allegedly an amateur paleontologist. And unfortunately, he gets worse. Where should we stand on global warming? I don't think people know, because science has been so involved in politics on this issue that it's very hard to know whom to believe. Many scientists would say the opposite, said the magazine, that politics have been too involved in science. Said Gingrich, I'm just saying it seems to me the data is not nearly as clear as the scientists imply. Let's start with the Gore movie. I haven't seen it, but everything I've read suggests he grossly exaggerates the probable dangers. I believe as a matter of prudence, it is reasonable to try and lower the carbon load in the atmosphere. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we, we have to offer the opinion that uh, the Al Gore movie, An Inconvenient Truth, in fact, does not grossly exaggerate the probable dangers. Anyway, pretty disgusting interview to put in a science magazine. Of course, that's Discover used to be a science magazine. It certainly isn't that anymore. All right, let's do three uh, quick obituaries. We note the passing a couple weeks back, rather uh, rather unnoticed in the media, of Patricia Kennedy Lawford. 
John Kennedy's uh, sister and the aunt of the current First Lady of California, Maria Shriver. Said Senator Ted Kennedy, my sister Pat is irreplaceable. Everyone who knew Pat adored her. She was admired for her great style, for her love and support of the arts, her wit, her generosity, and for the singular sense of wonder and joy she brought into our lives. Patricia Kennedy was the sixth child and fourth daughter of Rose and Joe Kennedy's nine children. She set her sights on Hollywood at a young age, and uh, while working in Hollywood, she met uh, young heartthrob Peter Lawford. She married Peter Lawford, and the two of them had four children. It was through Pat Kennedy and Peter Lawford, of course, that the Kennedy clan became, uh, became well acquainted with the Hollywood Rat Pack of Dean Martin, Frank Sinatra, Sammy Davis Jr., uh, etc., prompted Frank Sinatra to refer to Peter Lawford as Brother in Lawford. We also would like to note in this program the passing of the legendary Italian journalist Oriana Falacci. The Economist magazine called Falacci a tiger and said anyone who doubted that had only to be interviewed by her. From the mid-60s to the mid-1980s, she sought out the powerful and collected such a string of famous pelts that in the end, they jostled to be asked. So the magazine, at first she played feminine and demure, then, pouncing and insulting, she would rip the innards of her victims. She famously made Henry Kissinger admit that he saw himself as a lone cowboy leading the herd. Kissinger said later he was more injured by that interview than any others he ever did. Kissinger told Falacci that the American mythology was that of the cowboy. He rides into town, he fixes the problem, and he rides off into the sunset, which not coincidentally was the kind of image Kissinger carefully cultivated with the media. Reported Henry the K, when President Nixon found out that Kissinger viewed himself in this fashion, it apparently uh, irked him a little bit. She spent the last years of her life railing against Islam, which she saw as a malevolent force trying to take over Europe. We can't say we would agree with all of her opinions, but she certainly was quite the gadfly, and we think that journalism would be well served if we had a hundred more Oriana Falacis out there working. And our last obituary is that of TV actor George Reeves, who has been dead since 1959, but whose death is currently on the big screen in the movie Hollywoodland. We think it was quite a surprisingly good movie, and we refer you to uh, Gary Chu's evaluation of it for Tulsa TV Memories on the web. For my money, George Reeves was one of those underrated TV actors like Andy Griffith, who actually did a really good job, but was so associated with the character he was playing that you didn't really think he was acting. Uh, in the movie Hollywood Land, uh, Ben Affleck, who I don't know much about, I've never seen his movies, but i got to say... He turns in an excellent job as uh, as George Reeves. It's uh, it's it's fascinating from that uh, from that perspective. I don't think the Adrian Brody part worked too well trying to do every Hollywood noir private eye gig in the history of moviedom, but overall interesting flick and we would recommend that you take it in. And on next week's program we're going to try and talk about All the King's Men, the the classic classic book by Robert Penn Warren. And uh, now two movies out, uh, the latest by Sean Penn. We'll have more to say about that uh, next week. He's been our correspondent on the East Coast, gauging the political scene for some time, so we'd like to welcome back to Radio Parallax Senator Joseph Lieberman of Connecticut. Welcome back, Senator. Well, glad to be back, Doug, and thanks to all you Californians who supported Al and myself in 2000. Well, now, now, that's Can't odd. thank you enough. That's odd, Senator, isn't it? Six years after being on the national ticket, you're now the GOP's man in Connecticut. 
Well, I'm running as an independent, Doug. I think you know that. I mean, that's all it is. But, I'm just running but, as an independent, Yeah, Pre- President Bush has said he won't campaign for the Republican. Well, it's a nice gesture. I do appreciate White House support, but the Republican, whatever his name is, is just not someone GOP leadership has much confidence in. Why do GOP party bosses like you so much? Well, I suspect because in Iraq, I backed the administration, Doug, and did so unabashedly. Uh huh. And I'm not abashed to say that now. But the occupation's a bit of a fiasco, Senator. Any second thoughts? Joe never has second thoughts. I'm a go ahead, forward kind of guy, Doug. Look, Iraqi citizens no longer fear Saddam's henchmen. Well, no, they, they fear the militias and, and, and coalition henchmen. Well, our forces are neither henchmen nor henchwomen, not in my book. Abu Ghraib? Look, you know. Errors and excesses will occur any time you invade someone else's country. Well, I'd, I'd suppose so. And, and, the interrogations were civilized, Doug, all things considered. So dogs, electric shocks, water dunkings were civilized. Well, water dunkings, you know, I'm sure some of that was probably just innocent bobbing for apples, Doug. <laughs> bobbing for apples. And, you know, the whole dog thing, was, I'm sure, was misconstrued. Well, now, how so? Well... Fido is quite a morale booster normally. You know, my aunt got a new pup recently, and the patter of little paws in her condo really perked her up like you wouldn't believe. Okay. So introducing man's best friend into the session may have been misinterpreted. I'm sure that's all it was. But, but, but we're talking attack dog, Senator. But on a leash, Doug, and usually quite a short leash. Did you know that coalition forces use more tissue-friendly voltages than Saddam ever did? Tissue-friendly. Tissue-friendly, Doug. Electrical engineers from the School of the Americas were consulted on that. Real experts, Doug. So that guy with the, with the hood on, with the wires running below his waist, was not actually being tortured? Look, I hear the shock smart no more than a severe sunburn, Doug. Who hasn't blistered while on a tropical vacation? Well, Senator, we're skeptical. With the hot climate in the Middle East, those donkeys and strip-downs were likely well-meaning efforts to cool overheated inmates. Like going to the water slide? This whole series of brouhaha's may be misinterpretations of well-intentioned gestures. So, so like soldiers say are ho- holding a guy's head underwater, and the prisoner then misinterpreted that as, as an attempted drowning? Well, horseplay may have sent the wrong message, yes. Horseplay? Well, unlike our boisterous troops, the Iraqi people may not be used to such a, a vigorous roughhousing and hygiene. Well, Senator, you do seem to be leading in recent polls. Yes, indeed. Indeed. I'm going to win, Doug, with the help of Libra Republicans and perhaps Libertarians. But but maybe not a majority of Democrats. Well, if the war effort takes a turn for the better, I expect a surge of democratic support very soon, Doug. Well, we advise you not holding your breath for that, Senator. Well, momentum is behind me, Doug. It's building. And, you know, I call it Joe-mentum. You may remember that phrase. Well, our last question. Yes. Uh would simply be, what's our goal in Iraq, as you see it, Senator? You mean an end point? Yes. Like a finality, sort of come into a wrap-up kind of a thing? Yeah. Like a, the very, very last, sort of, uh, when everything's all wrapped up? Exactly. Well, I don't think we have just one. But, okay, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll right now, we'll settle for one clearly stated attainable goal. Yeah, well... I uh, I have a call on the other line, Doug. Can I get uh, back to you on that? Can I get uh, can well, I call uh, you back? Yes, you can call us back. Yes. Yeah, I look forward to talking goals then. But in the meantime, 
just remember, the juggernaut of Jomentum will build, Doug. You'll see. In fact, I'm adopting a new moniker. Jolton Joe. Well, that, Senator, it's been used. Well, I think the DiMaggio State won't mind. Bye-bye, Doug. Bye-bye. That was Senator Joseph Lieberman of Connecticut. We look forward to speaking with him again sometime soon. That's it for today's program. We would like to thank Bob Fitrakis. And we remind you that if you'd like to find out more about his campaign for governor, you can go to his website, which is bobforohio, one word, dot com. We'd like to thank Fox News for making that clip of President Clinton available on the web. And as always, our good friend, Senator Joe Lieberman from Connecticut. You're listening to Radio Parallax. This program was produced by Edward McMillan. I am your host, Douglas Everett, and we'll see you next week at the same time when we hope to speak to Cece Goldwater, the granddaughter of Senator Barry Goldwater, whose documentary, Mr. Conservative, is currently being aired on HBO in the month of September. <laughs>